Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Quipster Film Review Podcast. My name is Vince Leo. I am the author of the film review website, Quipster.net. I invite you to check out all of my written work, stemming all the way back to 1996, at that website, Quipster.net, Q-W-I-P-S-T-E-R.net. Today's film is one that's getting a lot of critical buzz out there. It's called April and the Extraordinary World. It's a film from France where it's known as Avril et le monde truquet, which translates to April and the Rigged World, which it is called somewhere. When I watched the film, it was the subtitled French language version, and for the title it says April and the Twisted World, even though it's being released as the Extraordinary World, probably for more marketable purposes. The film is rated PG because of some action and peril that includes gunplay and some thematic elements and rude humor. It runs an hour and 45 minutes. If you're watching the French language version, the cast of vocal talent includes Marion Cotillard and Jean Rochefort. And the English dubbed version features Angela Galupo, Paul Giamatti, Tony Hale, Susan Sarandon, and J.K. Simmons. The directors are Christian Demar and Frank Ekinchi. Uh, Akinji also provides the screenplay along with Benjamin Legrand. It's based on a graphic novel by Jacques Tardy. Jacques Tardy is a French comic book legend. His graphic novel provided the inspiration for what ends up being a fairly loose big screen adaptation from the French filmmakers. Screenwriters Frank Akinji, he directs here with uh, Christian Demar and uh, co-writes with Benjamin Legrand. This has graphic design work throughout the film that is done by Jacques Tardy himself. He actually contributes to the look of the film. This is a steampunk alternate world in which Earth has progressed very little scientifically since the Industrial Revolution for reasons that are described in the film. And the reason why the world is primarily in the state is because scientists have been outlawed. They've begun disappearing en masse, and that's why further progress is not really going forward in the world. Uh, most of the film is set in an alternate Paris. The film starts in 1870 and just before the Franco-Prussian War, and something happens there that's different than the way that it happened here in our reality, and so... When we get to ultimately Paris in 1941, it's a completely different one that's now under the rule of Napoleon V. Much of the power that's being supplied to the world comes from pre-fossil fuels like coal, and which was replaced by charcoal, and wood that's coming from the rapidly dwindling forests of the world. April of the title is happens to be an orphaned woman. She's very inventive. She has a smart-alecky talking cat named Darwin. She lost her scientist parents at a young age when it was discovered that her mother and father had possibly invented something called the ultimate serum, something that the family had been trying to produce for a while. Kind of this chemical cocktail that makes its imbiber feel rejuvenated, cured of whatever disease it might have in old age, and makes them virtually immortal. So this was only experimented on animals, and so April decides that Darwin would make a fitting subject. This ultimate serum is very highly sought after still. It's something that could tip the global war for resources that's happening mostly in North America, where the forests are dwindling by the day. And that could tip it into France's favor because they'd be able to create their own invincible army of super soldiers that could never be killed. April is being closely monitored from several interested parties in case she happens to stumble on the potent concoction or perhaps even invent it on her own because that's what she's trying to do. There's a tenacious French policeman named Gaspar Pizzoni. He's on orders to observe her every move, find out her hidden lair, 
And April soon makes a very important discovery along these lines, but finds that there's an even larger one that emerges and one that threatens to shift the balance of world power into an entirely unexpected direction. The extraordinary world of the title is a bit limited by its modest production budget. I think that that relegates many of the visuals, which will remind some people of the adventures of Tintin in a way. You know, obviously that was a very influential Belgian comic uh, over the years. And what we get here, it's a 2D animated film for the most part. There are some 3D rendered aircraft and a few other objects that are done, obviously, from a computer. But... Most of it is in 2D in this kind of muted color palette of grays and browns. The animation, I don't think, is very spectacular here, even though it looks good. Uh, the way that it actually flows feels a little bit jittery. It has that kind of straight-to-video release feel that, not bad, but it's a far cry from a lot of the animated features that are put out by Hollywood today. But there is an exquisite nature to Tardy's designs that elevates it above those the visuals are very inspired to a large extent from the works of Jules Verne. So if you were to take like a cell from this movie, you would say, wow, this is very beautiful. But somehow the animation just doesn't work as well. It's not as fluid as we've come to expect in big screen releases. However, I do think that it's more inventive in its plot than most animated features. It does contain more impressive vocal talent, whether it's in the French language original or in the English dub. There is some humor in the film. I do feel it's very mild. There's mostly cutesy moments that involve the exuberant Darwin the cat, kind of a scene stealer of the film. Uh, without the cat, there would be virtually no humor in the film except for some physical slapstick that's provided by the gruff Pizzoni as the bumbling policeman. He's not really terribly witty, but it does evoke some of that 1930s, 1940s slapstick that it's obviously trying to go for here. It's genially presented, but definitely not something that's going to get crowds roaring April and the Extraordinary World, I do feel it's a pretty intelligent film. It's definitely crafted by people with skill. Certainly for reviewers who enjoy reading into these kind of satirical elements, mostly that have come left over from Tardy's works, I think that they will enjoy this more than your typical viewer. But if you are a typical film viewer, you may not want to do a lot of that kind of heavy lifting to try to make the story more interesting to you. The emotional components of the adventure is likely going to remain stiff and ponderous, and you'll feel very aloof. I think that there is kind of an interesting and very obvious environmental message explored regarding fossil fuels, exploitation of natural resources, the cost of industrialization that causes a lot of wars and pollution most prevalently. I think that that still resonates today, especially today probably, Although I do think that there's little in this story that hasn't been explored in other cinematic science fiction works over the last 10 years, and maybe even the last 50 years, if you want to go back to the first kind of environmental messages that you'd find in a lot of movies from the late 60s into the 70s. This one toys with the notion that some of the shifts to fossil fuels and nuclear energy and other kinds of power you know, those have their own issues, but the old ways, the ways of coal and wood, if we never had developed out of that, if we had never, you know, shifted our energy to oil and gas and nuclear energy, this might have led, interestingly enough, to an even faster decline toward world instability as wood and coal began to run out by the time of the mid-20th century. I think over all of this, 
the film is suggesting that we need our scientists to continue on their quest to innovate so that we as a people aren't too reliant on finite energy resources of today. We have to keep innovating, keep growing, keep trying to find new ways of doing things and try to get away from a lot of the ills that are currently plaguing our world, basically, because of this overconsumption of energy. And I, I suppose if you want to read into this, I think there's a certain hope that's instilled that one day future generations will look back at our own generation and our reliance on some very ecologically risky fuel sources. Maybe they'll see us as quaint and as out of step as we might see these days of the Industrial Revolution. Conceptually, I like all of these elements. From a visual component, I enjoy the design work that's involved here. This is certainly something that should have been right up my alley. I really like the steampunk subgenre, you know, really creative science fiction adventures. And yet, despite the fact that I know that this is getting beaming reviews, it's 97% currently at the time of this recording on Rotten Tomatoes. People have called it exhilarating and marvelous and really new and innovative and a masterpiece in some regards. I just did not connect with this film, and I wish I could tell you otherwise. I hate being in the vast minority here, but my policy is always to be honest, and my honest take on April and the Extraordinary World is that while the visual world of Tardy's creation is certainly inventive, I do think that unfortunately, as a film, it fails to come together from a story component. I was never compelled by anything that was going on on the screen. And I feel that it fails in its attempt to make its characters anywhere as interesting as it does its main premise. Once you get through the premise, this is the kind of movie where I think the sum of its parts equal something. But I do think that as a whole, as a story, it doesn't really make that kind of connection. And so you have to labor to try to find the interest in the story that's there. And certainly the makers of the film provide a lot of that in the background for you. But at the forefront, I never really cared that much about April. I didn't care about her plight. I didn't care about any of these side characters, most of whom I found irritating. And where it goes, I wasn't that interested in. I was more interested in what that sky train is in the background. You know, that little whirly bird that's flying over the lands. You know, those were much more interesting to me than anything that was going on at the forefront of this story. And I feel that I cannot recommend April and the Extraordinary World because of it. It's a very draggy film for most of the runtime. It does occasionally come up with a new and interesting visual take on its steampunky world. And then it falls back on some very rudimentary story elements. There are lifeless turns that aren't befitting such a sumptuous and innovative presentation. You know, comparing this to the works of, say, Hayao Miyazaki, who covers a lot of this ground, Miyazaki's very interested in the ecological messages mixed with his kind of retro-futuristic look. Somehow Miyazaki is able to do this material far better because primarily he offers more of an emotional connection to his characters. And once you feel emotionally connected to the characters, Miyazaki is able to invest you in the plights of those characters and their fight against many of the ills of the world that we all live in. Then we become 
very interested in the kind of messages that are being delivered. And I feel that April in the Extraordinary World doesn't really make that connection. It doesn't get us on board with these characters. So therefore, we watch a lot of thinly defined characterizations as they go through this story that feels very predictable in many ways. And while there's a lot to admire, I don't feel is as compelling or emotional as the people that made the film think that it is. So therefore, it falls just short for me. You know, the movie itself is like the many wild, coal-driven contraptions that you can find within it. It's a marvel of design, but if you look underneath the hood, April and the Extraordinary World is still a bunch of lifeless mechanical parts. I can't go along with my fellow film critics on this one. I do feel that it falls just short of being a worthwhile film. I'm going to give it two and a half stars out of four. And two and a half stars on my scale means it had all of the goods, it had the tools, it had the talent to be a worthwhile film, and yet I can't really recommend it. You know, filmmaking is a way of telling a story. Just like books, just like TV, just like video games, just like any other narrative medium. If I'm just watching a bunch of images and I'm admiring it, I think that a lot of the visual designs are clever. Still, that's only one element of the story. The overall effect of the story is, am I interested in what's going on right now? And am I interested in what's going to happen in the next scene? And the answer to that while watching April in the Extraordinary World was often, not really. And I do welcome your opinion. If you want to write to me and let me know what you think, even if you disagree, even if you vehemently disagree, you can do so by going to my website, quipster.net. You can find my email address as well as links to my Twitter feed and my Facebook page. All of those are acceptable means to contact me. Quipster.net, Q-W-I-P-S-T-E-R.net is where to go. Even if we don't necessarily agree, I do hope that you enjoyed my take enough to click the subscribe button. I continue to deliver all of these film reviews all throughout the year, not just the blockbusters, but also foreign films like this one, independent films, limited releases, things that are going straight to VOD, all of it, whatever I find interesting to talk about is going to be right here on the Quipster Film Review Podcast. And I hope that you, if you do go to the movies, even if you see this one, even if we disagree, I do hope that you have a great time.